Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Rowdy Buddhist podcast. Appreciate your support. Today, I wanted to talk about the two main vehicles, as they're called, of Buddhism, the Theravada and Mahayana Buddhism. Uh, it's important. They, they do go by different names. Now, sometimes uh, within the Mahayana, they may call the Theravada, which is translates as the school of elders, um, to the Hinayana, which simply means a small vehicle. However, this is kind of a uh, negative uh, name. So therefore, uh, we shouldn't call it Hinayana specifically, but as Theravada, which means school of elders, and the Mahayana, which means the large vehicle. I want to make this podcast because a lot of times uh, there is older information in the, in, in the school of archaeology and uh, information about the history of Buddhism is constantly changing because they're both through archaeological digs, um, they're finding uh, more information. And of course, through archives and teachings and studies, um, they're constantly updating information. So sometimes I think that Buddhism is stuck in the particular uh, idea um, that is uh, in the world of science and the study of the history of Buddhism is constantly changing. So this has to also do with the historical timeline for the Theravada and Mahayana traditions. So I'm going to uh, give a basic idea here and then go into more detail. So after the Buddha Shakyamuni passed away, uh, you know, his teachings were all kept and practiced and propagated by the ordained clergy, the monks. Uh, nuns, laymen, and laywomen for about a century. However, the different ways of understanding and practicing the Buddhist teaching began to converge into two different traditions uh, because of the interpretation of the Buddhist teaching. One of the groups was called the Theravadan Buddhists who tried to keep up the traditional practice and rules such as uh, the Sangha simply being that of the ordained and the other is called the Mahayana Buddhists who emphasize the essential ideas but change their ways of practicing depending on their living places and time. This, of course, incorporated into other teachings uh, besides meditation such as um, circumambulation of stupas, the worship of relics, statues, etc. And also the concept of the Bodhisattva, which, of course, included the enlightenment of lay people and also including lay people in the in the third jewel of the sangha rather than it just being specifically the ordained clergy the theravadan buddhists maintained the strict precepts that, de that deferred between uh, the ordained priest and lay people that is of course what allowed them to be considered to be sangha uh, on the other hand as i just said mahayana arose amongst lay people generally, uh, who could not keep the strict precepts but kept the uh, essential ideas of the Buddha and actually incorporated into different practices. Now, a lot of people believe, and this was an uh, older concept, that the Theravada being the school of elders originated before and that the Mahayana came after. However, there is evidence that these two practices uh, after the death of the Buddha actually came about at the same time, uh, fulfilling two different uh, niches 
of the uh, of what Buddhism would later become. Uh, and then, of course, from that time, they both kept to the traditions and grew and, of course, expanded uh, through teachings and different ways of practice. So that is one, uh, at this point, concept that they believe. They have been able to verify that. Um, and so, therefore, in, in about 30 years ago, they believed that the Theravadan teaching had originated first and that out of that grew the Mahayana movement. But uh, now it is generally believed uh, and accepted that they came about at the same time. For instance, you know, 10 people can have 10 different ideas on what is important. We see, uh, and also what they received from the Buddha as a specific teaching. There were many, many teachings that the Buddha gave and people record, well, uh, transmitted not recorded because the original teachings were not recorded. They were done uh, through chanting and repetition uh, and transmission. But some people may emphasize the traditional, liberal or emotional, uh, emotional, theoretical or practical ideas and attitudes. So it's unavoidable that these interpretations of the Buddhist teachings would differ uh, depending on each individual's level of education, cultural background, era, and country. And also I would add uh, position because either being a monk or a layperson. So when we compare these two uh, main traditions that we see, because there are, according, even other branches, such as the Vajrayana, esoteric branch, but these two main traditions that we're speaking of today, we see that the Theravadan tradition of Buddhism is mostly practiced in southern Asia, like that of Thailand and Sri Lanka. And Mahayana is practiced in the places of Tibet, China, Korea, and Japan. It is usually said that Theravadan priests stay in monasteries and practice for their own salvation. They go out begging for food in front of their devotees' houses every morning. And because the priests are not allowed to produce or to own anything, including food, they have to do this. So this is a main tradition. Actually, recently, I don't know if you're aware of it, but they um, now we have more preserved food that is um, easier and more convenient even in these countries. So as the monks uh, go around through the streets for their uh, alms, which they say begging, but alms, uh, to receive uh, from the lay people, they were giving them prepackaged uh, sweets and foods that were full of preservatives because now we have uh, the majority of our food is not home cooked, but something that we buy in a store. So they were giving to the monks, and actually one of the big problems they were having in most of these monasteries were actually uh, being uh, getting diabetes and, of course, obesity. So they actually had to regulate this as much as possible and try to educate lay people to give cooked food uh, to the monks rather than uh, sweet or preservative food. And... In America, you can actually see that. So actually in Southern California, and even here in my hometown, uh, there's a group of Thai Buddhists in Hollywood. And, you know, I had once seen an article that in, in the Times regarding the priest begging for food from house to house every morning. And actually here, the uh, majority, uh, they don't actually go begging that I know of. Uh, but actually, uh, when I go to visit them or when um, people go, they bring food for the monks. 
So in Theravadan Buddhism, lay people cannot attain Buddhahood because they are not ordained, but wish to be reborn in better places by serving the Sangha, uh, that being the ordained clergy, the priests, the monks. And to contrast this, in Mahayana Buddhism, uh, there arose among, more specifically, the lay people who insisted that attaining enlightenment is possible even for laymen and lay women. Uh, they believed before the concept was that it was founded after the Christian era, but of course now they believe it was founded at the same time. But also that they believe this movement was thus spread more effectively than the Theravadan school uh, and greatly influenced by the Silk Road and the merchants that, uh, tran that uh, took and traded on the Silk Road, uh, which would have been the first and second century of AD. But I, some people consider this when it started and was influenced, uh, like such sutras as the Lotus Sutra, etc., but actually, um, this is where it actually prospered and grew uh, in kind of the golden age uh, rather than when it started. Um, therefore, there are so many stories uh, of the Silk Road regarding merchants, traders, uh, treasure hunts, physicians, kings, millionaires, and also the homeless that we see within the Lotus Sutra. And also one of the really interesting facts is that as you see the precious jewels, the precious items that are uh, stated in the Lotus Sutra are not necessarily found in India. So that is another, um, and there's a whole lecture, a really great lecture that I'd like to share with you one day concerning the idea of um, the great influence of the Lotus Sutra and that the Lotus Sutra is this uh, enlightened teaching that came about from this enlightened age of Buddhism. And one thing that is very specific is that you may see that these Theravadan priests, you know, may be seen as keeping priests, uh, strict precepts. So pretty much every movement, every action um, in their day is regulated. And that you may see that some Mahayana priests, um, this is not the same as in uh, uh, Mahayana Buddhism that involves clergy, but for instance, Mahayana priests, especially in Japan more specifically, that they eat meat, drink sake, and are married. Also, they own personal property. And so they just seem like lay people. Although Japanese priests are ordained, they seem to keep lay, people, uh, lay people's lifestyles. And that another part of the Mahayana is that all Mahayana sutras emphasize and specify the practice of the Bodhisattva, those who are seeking enlightenment not only for themselves but for others which was, um, of course, uh, one of the critical elements of the difference between that of the Theravadan and the Mahayana vehicles. Again, with the Mahayana sutras, there are many Mahayana sutras. Uh, for example, some of the famous ones you may have heard of, the Heart Sutra, the Amida Sutra, the Varokana Sutra, Infinite Light Sutra, and of course, the Lotus and Nirvana Sutra. However, you know, regular people may wonder which sutra is good and which one is the best, which one is the correct teaching, which one is the Buddha's true mind. We see from Grand Master Jidi of China, he revealed this through the concept of the five periods of the Buddhist teaching. So um, 
you may not know, but actually there are many different systems, many different categories of the Buddhist teachings that were derived by different masters. However, Master Tiantai's uh, five periods of the Buddhist teaching is the most general, except generally accepted one in the Mahayana teaching. I have not seen um, in most of the general schools of Mahayana ever any other any other categories of the five periods being used. Um, but according to Master Tiantai, all the sutras can be divided in five categories depending on their contents. That means that goes back to the concept of what Nichiren and Shonen said, that a man of wisdom is able to distinguish between early sutras and later sutras based on their teachings. And that is what's seen as wisdom, is that one is able to see the correct place and time, the correct meaning, the correct uh, uh, truth of the sutra. That, that is what Nichiren and Shonen was getting at as far as with his um, upholding of the Lotus Sutra as the prime sutra of Buddhism. Nichiren and Shonen read all the Theravadan and Mahayana sutras that were available to him uh, before he proclaimed uh, that the Lotus Sutra was the main sutra and the mind of the Buddha and also that of the recitation of its title, Namu Myoho Renge Kyo, the Odaimoku, the great title. He accepted, of course, and we see this, Jidi's uh, teachings of the five periods of the Buddhist teaching. So actually, it's, it's been commonly said, and, and this is something that perhaps may startle most Nichiren Buddhists, but actually, this is what makes Nichiren Shonen a very orthodox practitioner of Tendai Buddhism, is that he goes back to the source. He goes back to... Uh, Master Tiantai's uh, Makashikan and other teachings and lectures. Um, and even though we, as his followers, may read his messages and think that that was the, uh, that was the creation of Nichiren and Shonen, but actually if one actually studies into the Makashikan and the teachings of Master Tiantai, you see that Nichiren and Shonen was without uplifting himself or in the, what we would consider, and a lot of priests uh, have exemplified as arrogance, he simply restates the truth that were brought forth uh, and manifests them, of course, in throughout his life of what Master uh, Tantai had revealed in the past. And that, therefore, in this five period uh, outline, which we'll go into next time, the Lotus Sutra was seen to contain the most essential teachings of the Buddha. And this revealed whether people could understand, and, th and this was taught, whether people could understand them or not. So it wasn't a matter of one's precepts, it wasn't a matter of one's intelligence or ability. It was simply that this was revealed through the Lotus Sutra. And this is another reason why Nichiren and Shonen took the Lotus Sutra as the most essential teaching among other sutras, with the phrase, in the innumerable meaning, sutra. Says the that and of course the innumerable meaning sutra is the opening sutra of the threefold lotus sutra. Uh, it says, quote, in the past forty odd years, I, of course, referring to Shakyamuni Buddha, have not yet expounded the truth. End quote. Then the lotus sutra was preached. Thus, our founder Nichiren Shonen chose the lotus sutra and understood the Lotus Sutra through wisdom was indeed the truest teaching of the Buddha. So 
what I wanted to share with this was just a little overview of the Theravada Mahayana. I'm sure everyone knows, but also uh, the Mahayana itself in accordance with Nietzsche and Shonen. So the next podcast that I'd like to make, I'll, I'll make concerning the five periods of the Buddhist teaching. Because this is essential because I remember when I first, um, of course, as I said, I studied as a Tiantai monk before I came to Nichiren Buddhism. And actually, we studied all the sutras. And there was a hierarchy, but I, I didn't really uh, understand that. And for instance, if you look at the stupa, the five stories of the stupa, the highest level of the stupa was that that contained the Lotus Sutra. Uh, and the Nirvana Sutra, just as we see with the five periods, each each level of the stupa was considered like the five periods. And that actually you had to be initiated uh, and given permission to enter into that level of the stupa. That That is how you learn the teachings based on uh, Master Tiantai's categorization of the periods and teachings of the Buddha. And that actually when I came to Nichiren Buddhism, I didn't really differentiate between the sutras. I just took them all as the Buddha's teaching that was applicable in this current situation, which, of course, as we see the periods of the true period of the Buddha, the imitative and the uh, declining uh, periods of the teachings of the Buddha. That concept was not yet given or understood by myself. So when I came to Nichiren Buddhism, it actually kind of awakened me, whereas in the monastery, um, Nembutsu, or the the uh, vocalization and belief in the Pure Land and the using of the, the main practice being that of the Amitabha Buddha's uh, name uh, in order to be reborn in the Pure Land was the main emphasis, even though the other teachings were there. Um, the Lotus Sutra was seen as too difficult for people to understand, too advanced. Uh, that That is the reason why they used the teaching of the Nembutsu, because if one, as you could see, it was seemed out of reach, especially if you had to study all the commentary and uh, teachings, because again, reading a sutra was not just picking up a book and reading it. You had to um, be interned in a kind of cell uh, where you would sit up and read it, which would include commentaries. So that would quadruple it in size so something that maybe you could read in a day would actually take six seven eight months to read non-stop doing nothing else and then once you understood and read all the commentary you would be uh, in a kind of debate uh, and understanding with your your teacher or with the sutra teacher because actually most people don't know that you would have different teachers one teacher would teach you how to observe and follow the rules, the precepts. And then you would have a teacher who would be your uh, teacher of the sutras and practices, etc. And, and that's why actually in the ordination, uh, they have two people representing those practices. But actually, um, they are no longer uh, explained to people. So that that is why um, those were a necessity. But... In understanding the five periods, it allowed me to understand the importance of the Lotus Sutra. And then also, as I had studied the previous sutras, it then made sense of the sutras instead of a jumble of information that we were just handing out. Uh, well, I was just handing out as a monk 
And then, of course, some monks had negated doing that and just believed in chanting the Amidah Buddha's name to be reborn in the Pure Land because this world was too difficult. Then when I met Nichiren Buddhism, I realized the uh, freedom that the, the Buddha's true mind of the Lotus Sutra and the importance and the place amongst the sutras. That is what Master Tiantai and even Nichiren and Shonen say is the idea of wisdom, is being able to distinguish between expedient and true teachings, right? Uh, and being able to understand the meaning of these sutras amongst each other and what the purpose of them were. Um, I realized that before I came to Nichiren Buddhism, I was deeply uh, uh, ignorant of this. So therefore, I really appreciate uh, Nichiren Shonen's teaching uh, to be able to allow us to come to realize the greatness uh, and the truth that is found in the Lotus Sutra. So therefore, I appreciate everyone taking the time to listen today. Uh, next, I will do the five periods of the Buddha's teaching, uh, which is that categorization of these periods uh, that Master Tiantai had organized the sutras so that we could be able to understand the teaching and truth and, and see how the Buddha instructed people to then come to faith in the Lotus Sutra. So thank you very much, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful day. Namu myoho renge